So you all made it. A <laughs> um, little bit more effort on a rainy day. Um, <clears throat> but actually getting here, coming here is part of your practice. Uh, it's, you can feel the effort required um, and it, it really is sometimes a matter of self and self-indulgence and serving the Dharma, coming here, serving others, being here to support one another's practice. So it's, no, I can do this myself or I don't feel like doing it today, but there is something happening at Owan that is important. And it sometimes even feels muscular to, no, I'm going to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up to give myself to this, to this practice, to the support of others. So um, you made this part of your practice today. So thank you for being here. Um, <clears throat> We've sort of finished the. Uh, examination of the precepts, um, that's not really true because we're continuing, whether we like it or not, to uh, explore and experiment and discuss the precepts. They're always there. Uh, and one of the aspects of the precepts that, though we have finished all ten, uh, that I briefly touched upon when we were discussing the precept of anger and uh, uh, not dwelling in anger. And that was, I, su I suggested that if we dig really deeply into anger, we may discover that anger is a secondary reaction to something deeper than that. And I mentioned that 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 something deeper might be hurt, might be some sense of being wounded or being hurt or being afraid. And we know that the typical analysis of um, anger and one, one of the sources of anger is fear, that the reaction to fear is often, what, what do they say, flight or fight, right? So fighting, anger, is often embedded or is a reaction to fear. And fear is a very important emotional state. Um, oddly enough, it is the one emotion that the Buddha speaks about repeatedly. And he speaks about the bodhisattva, one of the most significant characteristics of a bodhisattva, of someone who is a fully realized human being is fearlessness. It's the 
one characteristic that Buddha mentions about the Bodhisattva. And so fear, and we, we recited the Heart Sutra today, and if you'll recall, toward the end of that sutra, the Buddha speaks about fear being the hindrance, a hindrance of the mind. And once that fear is released, liberation can occur. So once the, he speaks about it as the walls of fear, the walls of fear come down, liberation can actually happen. So fear is a very, very important state, and it manifests itself in many, many, many ways. Uh, anxiety, uh, loneliness, depression, um, and, uh, uh, even jealousy and envy uh, and anger. Fear is at the bottom of so many of our mind states and our emotional states. <clears throat> Down on the eraser board, I have a Latin, wrote a Latin saying, noli temere. This was a message that an Irish poet named uh, uh, Seamus Heaney uh, who died a number of years ago, very famous Irish poet. Have any of you heard of him? Very beautiful poet. And um, he died suddenly. And his last message to his wife, and it was a text message that he was able to type out because he was dying very, very rapidly, was Noli to Mary. And the meaning of that message to his wife was, do not be afraid. I was very moved by that, uh, that act of, of his. It was, and I looked it up, um, I looked up the source of that um, message that admonition, do not be afraid. And it comes from the Bible. Uh, it comes from the book of Matthew. And it comes when Christ uh, has just fed millions on just a couple of loaves of bread. And he goes back up the mountain to pray. And his disciples... Uh, are left in a boat on the ocean, and they are presumably to take that boat back to shore. And a storm comes up, and there's a horrible thunder and lightning, and the boat rocks about, and all the disciples become terrified that they're going to die. And this is the time Christ walks along the waters. He hears the cries, much as Kuan Yin or the Bodhisattva of Compassion, hears the cries of the world. 
and he comes down from the mountain and walks across the water to this boatload of disciples who are in a panic and he says do not be afraid I am here I am here so this message from my understanding is that we're only really terrified when we feel at sea, separated from the world, separated from our deepest nature, which is this, this do not be afraid appears frequently in the Bible. And it is often followed by the statement, do not be afraid, God is with you. <clears throat> Do not be afraid. God loves you. So what happens in a state of fear is that one feels alone, perhaps abandoned, uh, disconnected, alienated at sea. Uh, at sea. All the storms of life are uh, beating down on you. And then comes a word of God or a word of your true nature. You do not be afraid. You are not alone. You are not separate. You are part of something much bigger than yourself. So... This is a voice that comes in the, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a sense of things falling apart. This fear is a very pervasive, not always just surfaces as fear, it can be an ongoing sense of discomfort or a sense of anxiety, uh, just, a, uh, just a general sense that I, there's some kind of threat. There's some kind of threat to me. Um, and certainly when fear comes up, whether it be a, a, a general sense of anxiousness uh, or sense of uh, loss or change in circumstance, which sort of rocks your boat, <laughs> which which it can be either a you know a downpour, it can be a drizzle, it can be a, a raging storm in life, but it's that sense that you feel helpless, alone, a weak. Um, and that you, that you can't quite defend yourself, that you can't recover your ground. Um, it's that feeling of groundlessness, of, you know, I, I'm without protection. Um, I'm without connection. And, of course, the first reaction to this, because it's terrifying, and that's why Buddha said, that the fully realized human being is fearless 
This doesn't mean that this person, that the bodhisattva is reckless, is not about like, I'm just jumping into every danger, dangerous situation. Actually, fearlessness is most apparent when you are facing your fear. That's the true test of fearlessness, when you are facing your fear, because that takes incredible courage. And that's often why uh, in certain meditative traditions like um, uh, the Tibetan tradition, they speak of a spiritual warrior. And it's not about being, you know, strong and, you know, obviously powerful and aggressive. Um, it's about courage. It's about the courage to be with the things that are very painful, very distressing, very threatening to us. And so if you, if you look at the precepts, um, for example, it seems obvious in, in the case of anger that if you're afraid, you're going to, one of the ways that you react to this is by striking out, uh, like a cat when it's afraid, just puffs up. <laughs> you know? And that's a sign of fear. Um, and that's often what we do. But also, there's the flight aspect of fear not just the fight aspect of fear. So often when we're afraid, it's so painful to allow ourselves to feel that, that we try every single way we can think of to get rid of it, to get rid of that fear. That's why the fight-flight mechanism is so strong. And so, okay, what, what might we do? We do? we might intoxicate ourselves because we don't like that feeling of fear. So, precept on intoxication. Fear may be the basis of our drive to intoxicate, whether it be with substance or whether it be with television or whether it be with uh, partying or whether it be with, you name your, your favorite drug. And we all have our drugs, food. You know, we're just intoxicating ourselves because we, we can't stand that feeling. Actually, we may kill as a result of fear. We, and often, people do kill because they feel threatened. And so they, they just strike out, out of fear. Out of fear you may steal, because you're afraid that you're not going to have enough. Or you're afraid somehow you're going to be less than, or you're afraid that someone else is going to overpower you because they have more than you do. And you're afraid that the universe isn't going to take care of you, so you need to take. So the precept about stealing. Precept about lying. 
We're afraid we're not going to be respected, so we inflate our credentials. Or we're afraid that someone is not going to like us, so we lie about something so that they will like us. And we're inauthentic, perhaps, because we're afraid that we're not going to get the recognition we need or the love we need or the care we need. And so we manipulate circumstances. So the precept on lying. So in our practice, hard as it may be, we take care of our fears. We don't try to flee from them, flight, and we don't fight against them because that's an internal war and that only ratches it up, ratches up the, the um, emotional turmoil. So we have the confidence that we can be with fear. And where does that confidence come from? It comes from that voice, that Buddha nature, that voice that knows that we are not separate, that we are whole, that we, that we are free, that we are complete and perfect just the way we are, and that we will be taken care of. That we do not have to resort to any of these lying, stealing, killing, intoxicating, that we, 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 we praising others or blaming others because we're afraid somehow that our ego is being threatened. So we're all, always in a state of war between us and them or the other. And that's fundamentally fear. And it's a very primitive, very basic emotion that the Buddha recognized as something that must be faced, become intimate with, and transformed into fearlessness. Um, so much of our reaction to fear is an effort to protect, to protect ourselves, whether it be lying, stealing, killing, uh, intoxicating, we're, we're protecting this, this ego, this separate self. Like to think of the the story of the three little pigs. You know that story um, of the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Yeah. And the first little pig, this big bad wolf is, you know, whatever that other is, the big bad wolf in your life is prowling, prowling around. And the first little pig is, they're all, the little pigs are scared uh, of this big bad wolf. 
And the first little pig reacts by building his house out of straw. None of you are familiar with this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm dating myself if nobody knows this story. I'm not that old. Um, builds his house out of straw and protects himself with that straw. And the second little pig builds his house out of twigs, a little stronger, right? And buries himself in that house. And the third little pig builds his house of bricks, right? really powerful protection. And all of us have protections against our fears, particularly of the ego's fear of being destroyed or being ignored or being somehow wounded. Um, and so we have our house of straw, we have our house of, of twigs, and we have our, you know, like, man, don't cross that, that line, you know, what Trump says, the red line. <laughs> this is the red line of bricks. You know, people say, you know, don't, don't invade my space. Don't touch me. Right? You can feel when someone starts getting too close, that, that wall of bricks. For some people, it's, you know, just some straw, you know, people that you trust and people that you know care about you. And okay, you know. But they're all barriers. They're all protections. And so the big bad wolf comes and of course, he huffs and he puffs and he blows, <laughs> blows this, the straw house down and presumably eats the little pig. And he huffs and he puffs and he blows the house of twigs down and eats the little pig. But, he huffs and he puffs and he can't blow the house of, I might be misinterpreting this, but anyway, it's my, it's my, my version of this folks of folktale. Um, and so, yeah, um, he tries to get in through the chimney and there's a big pot of boiling water that the little pig has figured out. And we do this. Someone's trying or some group is trying to get at us and we're going to figure out how to protect ourselves from, from this. And even if they come through the chimney, we got a pot of boiling water, they're going to jump into that and they're going to die. So at all costs, that ego is saying, be prepared. Be prepared. You're going to get attacked. You're going to get wounded. You're going to get destroyed somehow and you've got to set up those walls of all kinds. What if we could walk through this world with no protection? You know, this is our practice. 
This is liberation. To be completely vulnerable. No wall. No straw. No twigs. No bricks. What am I protecting against? That big bad wolf. What does it say in the Bible? The wolf lies down with the lamb or something like that. You know, we're all, what am I, who's the other? Am I the other to some, <laughs> to some, I mean, what is this business of protection? What would it be like to walk in a spacious way without any barriers? to be fully liberated from having to build walls. When the Buddha, the moment of his enlightenment, um, this is what he said. <clears throat> Seeing but not finding the house builder, I traveled to the round of countless births. Oh, painful is birth, ever and again. House builder, you have now been seen. You shall not build the house again. Your rafters have been broken down your ridgepole is demolished, too. My mind has now attained the unformed nirvana and reached the end of every kind of craving. So what did Buddha see at that moment? He saw that his ego, his self, that self that has been built, this house, straw, some of us have very, you know, wispy, uh, porous egos. Easily, we're sensitive. Uh, some of us have very um, stick-like, you know, sort of medium, <laughs> medium-sized egos, and some of us have very strong, powerful egos, houses that we've constructed around ourselves. No matter what that structure is, Buddha saw that it was just a structure that as soon as he saw what it was, it's, it started to fall apart. He saw it as just a house that was built by him. And he saw the house builder. He saw the ego. That from the day that we're born, this ego gets, starts getting constructed. I call it post-its. <laughs> you know, all of our roles, all of our achievements, all of our aspirations, all of our... Uh, name, rank, and serial number, all the things that we don't care about when we're sitting here. We're all really nobody, I, the, the, what we call the person of no rank. This is how you're sitting here. 
but when we move around in the world, we carry this house with us, this house we built. And Buddha sat down and saw the construction and saw it for what it was, just a construction. And, and that seeing, that awareness, just completely annihilated, annihilated it. But notice, he didn't say that the foundation was destroyed. He said the ridgepole and the rafters. So, what is the ridgepole and what are the rafters? They constitute the roof. That's what he focused on. And what is the roof? The roof is our protection. The foundation doesn't act particularly as a a protection. It acts as our ground. So it's the roof that came down. It's that protection that we walk around with, the armor, the house, like the turtle that come, walks around with the house. And, and when the turtle is afraid, or if it's a snapping turtle, it's not flight, it's fight. So I invite you to explore the sensation, the possibility, um, and what it might feel like to live your life without any walls in a spacious, open dimension without having to be afraid of anything and beginning by facing in a way the fear of everything this this is our practice to be completely without walls without the walls of fear it's at the foundation of our lives. <laughs>